Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and this is day five, or week four of our look through the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at chapters 38 and 39. It's a story about Hezekiah's illness, what happened to him when he got some bad news. This is probably personal to you. It's personal to me as I think about the life that we walk through and the struggles that we have. There's, in all of our lives, in many weeks, some bad news that we have to face. So how do you handle it? We talk a lot about good news at church, and we should. But what do you do when the news is bad in your personal life? I was sitting this week with someone who just heard some bad news, and they asked, how, how do you handle something like this? What do you do? Hezekiah gives us some examples of what to do. He gives us the way. He shows us the way. What to do when the news is bad. In chapter 38, Hezekiah gets some bad news. In fact, the worst. 38 verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill, and he was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah of Amos went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you're going to die. You will not recover. That's bad news. What do you do when you get bad news? Well, in this chapter, Hezekiah teaches us six things to do. Now, that's a lot in one devotion, but we're just going to touch base on these just to get your mind starting to think about it. What do you do when the news is bad? Number one, you take inventory. Verses two and three, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I've walked with you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. Hezekiah took inventory of his relationship with the Lord. The bad news encouraged a fresh look at the priorities of life. And that's the first thing you do. Taking inventory recognizes that maybe God wants to use this bad news to encourage me to recommit myself to the good news. Taking inventory doesn't mean you have to point out every past mistake that you've made. It can mean pointing to the good choices that you've made. Hezekiah does this here. I've been faithful. I've had wholehearted devotion. It's a reminder of where your hope is. It's the first thing you do. Second thing you do is you express your emotions. Isaiah 38, verse 3, And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Here's a king who's not afraid to express his hurt when the bad news came. How should a Christian react emotionally when the news is bad? A popular strain of belief goes that if you trust the Lord, nothing's going to really upset you. You'll just smile your way through all your problems. You'll sing your way through any tragedy. You'll laugh your way through all your sorrows. Baloney! The Bible commands us to weep with those who weep. What does that mean if you can't weep when the news is bad? The appropriate emotion for the appropriate circumstance is in the will of God. Emotions are a natural reaction to the circumstances of life. And, and the proper reaction for God's people is to express, not suppress, your God-given emotions. So you express your emotions. It's just that you don't stop there. You then do the third thing. You focus on God's care for you. Verses 4 to 6. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. God sees your tears. God is a personal God, and he personally cares about the hurt that you're facing. He personally hears every word of your prayer. He hears your prayers personally. He sees your tears personally. He heals your hurts personally. So the third thing you do is you recognize God cares. God cares for what I'm going through. And then number four, as you're walking through this day of bad news, you listen for God's promise. You are not at the mercy of fate. You are not a victim of circumstance. 
Your life is not a matter of probabilities. Your life is in the hands of God. And so you listen for God's promises in your life. In verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. In Hezekiah's case, the promise meant extra years of life, 15 extra years. What is God's promise in your life? If you're facing a physical illness as Hezekiah was, whether you're healed physically or not, that's in God's hands. And you're in God's hands, whether you're healed or not. You are in God's hands no matter what. Nothing can take you out of his hands as a child of God. One day his care is going to result in the perfection of heaven for you. So you look to God's promise that extends through this life and all the way into eternity. That's what you hold on to on a day when you hear some bad news. The fifth thing you do is you look for assurance. You look for the assurance that God wants to give of his promise. Isaiah 38, verses 7 and 8. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do as he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the ten steps. It has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the 10 steps that had gone down. Now, this is a strange story. Time seems to move backwards as the shadow that had been coming down the stairs as the sun was setting starts to retreat back up the stairs like the sun was rising all of a sudden. But that's the sign that God gave as an assurance for Hezekiah that there would be a future. Now, praise God that you and I have an assurance that's more solid than a shadow. Throughout the Bible, you find people using the strangest methods to be sure of God's presence, God's direction in difficult times. They use fleeces, they, they cast lots, they made deals with God, they watched staffs turn into serpents. They're always looking for signs. All of that changed on the day of Pentecost. Our assurance is not in the shadow on the stairs. It's in the indwelling spirit of God in our hearts. We enjoy what men like Hezekiah longed for, that God's spirit can give an assurance of his promise. So the way that you look for the assurance is you say, Spirit, would you give into my heart a confidence that this promise is from God? And he will do that. He will answer that prayer. You look for assurance. And then as we quickly walk through these things, you do a sixth thing. You don't become overconfident. You don't become self-confident. Verse 2 of chapter 39. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly. This is after he's gotten his healing. Some envoys come from another nation. And he showed them what was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil, his entire armory and everything that was found in the treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah didn't show them. Then down in verse 5, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. So he has these envoys from Babylon come in, and he's so confident. God's given me 15 years. He's promised me victory. He shows them everything, all the riches and all, everything that they have for battle. And Isaiah says, oh, you need to realize one day you're going to be defeated by these people. You become self-confident, overconfident. In his self-confidence, he opens the door to the enemy that someday is going to defeat Israel. And the same thing happens in my life. You see it happen in your life. God begins to give victory in your life. God begins to give assurance in your life, even in the midst of the bad news. And you begin to become confident in yourself. 
and all of a sudden you're living in depression again. And it's come out of the fact that you're relying on yourself again rather than relying on him. Now, Hezekiah's response to what's going to happen in the future here is very surprising. Isaiah tells him this is going to come someday, not in your day, but someday. So in verse 8, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replies. For he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. Hezekiah, all he really cares about is, well, I'm king, it's going to be okay. I mean, we will be defeated later, but my kingdom's going to be great. In his self-confidence, he is focused only on himself. And when you get focused only on yourself, that is a kind of self-confidence that can defeat you when the bad news comes. Now, you've got to focus on what God's doing in other people's lives. You've got to focus on the message that God's giving you for other people's lives even through this. You've got to focus on the promise that God's working out for you, but also for others. You've got to see beyond yourself, and you've got to see beyond your time. And that defeats this enemy of self-confidence they can be so dangerous in a time of hurt in our lives. So, what do you do when the bad news comes? You've had bad news recently. How, how are you handling it? First, don't forget to take inventory, your trust in the Lord. Don't be afraid to express your emotions. Don't forget that God is personal. He cares about your hurt. Don't forget to rely on God's promise because that's where your future lies. Don't forget to look for the Spirit's assurance and don't become confident in yourself. Let's pray together. Father, I wish that bad news never would come. But it does in this world. We're not in heaven yet. When the bad news comes, help us to remember to look to you, to do these six things, to trust in you. Whether it takes a, a day or a month or many months, help us to walk through the process of trusting in you because you have, in the end, good news of your great love for us. That's what we look forward to. So in that, we pray for a sense of confidence and strength from you. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, join us next week. We're going to turn the page to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to turn the page and begin to look at God's vision for comfort in your life, a different kind of comfort than you've ever experienced.